God of the living, fill our hearts with joy today as we follow Jesus into new and abundant life. Amen. As part of our Lenten study this past week, I had the Bible Explorer class compare two different images of the resurrection. Paolo Veronese's Renaissance painting, The Resurrection of Jesus Christ, completed around 1570, and an earlier fresco titled Anastasis from the Cora Church in Istanbul. The fresco dates to around 1310. In the Renaissance painting, Christ rises majestically from the tomb, hovering in midair. Even though there are other figures in the painting, they are small and insignificant compared to the radiant Christ. He is unique, solitary. This is the stereotypical way that the resurrection has been pictured in the West, at least since the Renaissance. Christ rising in glory, surrounded by heavenly light, ascending toward heaven, and always, essentially, alone. The Korah Church fresco, on the other hand, is very different and shows the resurrection as it is always depicted in Eastern Orthodox iconography. While the Veronese painting is a literal depiction of Jesus rising out of his tomb, the fresco imagines a different tomb and another scene altogether. In the fresco, we see Jesus standing at the gates of hell, gates which he has knocked down. He's actually standing on top of the gates, having broken all of the locks which are scattered about haphazardly. And he is reaching into two separate tombs, using both of his hands to pull a woman and a man out of death and into life. He's yanking them, really. They both look rather startled, but they are standing up again. That's what the title of the fresco means, by the way, anastasis, which is the usual Greek word that gets translated resurrection, literally means to stand up again. And who is it that Jesus is standing up in this fresco, pulling into life? Why, of course, it's Adam and Eve. And of course, that means that it's all of us. It's all of humanity. It's you and it's me. We were dead, but now Christ is pulling us back to life. Now, because Christ lives, so can we. Now, the thing is, neither of these paintings depict what actually happened, at least not the way that Mark reports it. If anything, our our very own altar window here at St. Luke's is more faithful to Mark's account of the resurrection. That's not Jesus in the window, you see. It is the angel, the young man dressed in white that the women found sitting in the tomb. He tells them, that Jesus has been raised. Jesus was here, he says, but he's not here anymore. 
Later, you will find him in Galilee, back where he started. He was here, and he will be here again, but he's not here now. Mark gives us an empty tomb, an absence, rather than a presence. It's a funny way to end his gospel. Some would say it's an unsatisfying way. It was so unsatisfying, in fact, that sometime after Mark was written, a longer ending was tacked on by another writer. You might find verses 9 through 20 in your Bible if you have a Bible at home, but scholars agree that Mark's original text ends at verse 8, so that's what we heard this morning. Knowing that this version won't satisfy most people, our lectionary allows us to push Mark aside this morning in favor of John's version. And if you were to read John's version today, you would probably agree that it is a more satisfying narrative. John's version is the one in which Jesus shows up to find Mary Magdalene weeping in the garden, and at first she mistakes him for the gardener, and then after she recognizes him, they have a nice long conversation about everything that's happened. John, as usual, weaves a good tale, but I rather like Mark's narrative economy, and I can certainly relate to the women's reaction to what happens in Mark. So they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Scared witless strikes me as a true-to-life reaction to discovering an empty tomb with a domineering angel inside. Even Mark's writing seems to reflect the women's haste and fear. His usually atrocious grammar is even worse than normal. He's got a double negative in the next-to-last phrase, and he ends the gospel with a preposition. Biblical scholar William Plaker offers this alternative translation of that last line to better capture the feeling of the original Greek. The women fled, and they said nothing to no one. They were afraid was why. They were afraid was why, indeed. But, of course, they must have said something to somebody at some point. Otherwise, none of us would be sitting here this morning. Paul, the earliest New Testament writer, he doesn't say anything about an empty tomb. He does recount the visions that some people had of the resurrected Jesus, even glancingly his own vision, although he doesn't describe it in detail. Mark, Mark is the first to give us the empty tomb, but he gives us no resurrected Jesus along with it. Only the later gospel writers would combine the empty tomb with the appearance stories. And it should be noted that no one attempts to describe the resurrection itself. I mean, how could they? It's like staring directly at the sun. It seems a thing that's beyond the possibility of human inquiry, something beyond what eyes can see and what ears can hear. This is one of the reasons I find that Veronese painting of the resurrection so unsatisfying. It tries to capture what literally happened, as if you could go back and set up a camera on Saturday night and just let the film roll and see what you get. It makes sense that this literalized image of the resurrection first became prominent during the Renaissance. 
That age of science and perspective demanded to know what really happened, just as our own post-enlightenment world demands to know what really happened. But the collection of resurrection stories in the New Testament, including Jesus' post-resurrection appearances, they are impressionistic. Leading up to the resurrection, we can lay out details of the Passover week with a fair amount of precision. But after the resurrection, all of the narratives in Paul and in the Gospels break down. None of them quite match up. They're full of inconsistencies of chronology and geography. All of them feel like they're straining to capture in words an experience that is beyond description. I like the Anastasis fresco because it tries to say something about what resurrection means. Resurrection means standing up again, even though we have been buried by the world's addiction to death. The world kills hope with injustice and violence. But friends, God's love is stronger than all of those things. God's love is stronger than death. And the Anastasis shows us that resurrection is for everyone. Jesus is just the first among many to walk through the gates of new life. Resurrection means Jesus taking us, all of us, by the hand, even while we are drowning even when we are done for, and yanking us, pulling us back into life, standing us up once again to follow him in the way of peace, the way of justice, the way of love. Now, friends, I'm not going to lie to you. Sometimes that yank is going to hurt. No one said that life was easy. Just ask those faithful women who were running away in terror from that empty tomb. They were afraid was why. And so are we much of the time. We worry about the future. We're afraid that there's not enough love to go around in the world, that there's not enough justice for everybody to have some, that there's not enough life. What if this whole thing is futile? But friends, we have been taken by the hand and we are standing up again now, pulled to our feet we have a new chance at life, and it's up to us how we live it. Mark leaves the ending of his gospel ambiguous because the good news now depends on us. It depends on our willingness to tell it, to complete that story of good news. Will we be able to overcome our fear and trust in the world-transforming power of God's love? Will our conviction that Jesus lives change the way that we live our lives? Will we join him in the land of the living? Friends, stand up, steady yourselves, go out and live, live the good news that God brings today. Amen.